Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome to conversation number five of conversations that don't suck. I'm really excited about this one. Do I say that on every single episode? Yeah, I think I do, but I mean it every single time. Um, So this is a conversation with Jillian Richardson. Jillian's a Jillian's a real gem. I'm pretty amped that I got connected to her through some other friends. Oh, note to self, I need to have those friends on the podcast. Cool, great. This is so this is the the benefits of talking out loud to a microphone. Um okay, yeah, I need to get them on the podcast. Anyways, so Jillian is really fantastic. Jillian runs um something called Joylist in New York City. Um, when I got connected to Jillian, when, when she and I first spoke, she's like, God, you're like the redheaded version of me. And it's true. We do very similar work, um, not necessarily in like the way it gets executed, but very similar missions and viewpoints on the world and on socializing and the way that people can and should relate to one another. And so I was really excited to sit down with Jillian and have this conversation. And we get into so many good things and some of the big things that stick out to me as I was editing this episode and, and listening back to it. Um, was the importance of having the right people in your corner and people who really understand you and what's important to you. And for me, Jillian is a a really beautiful ally in that piece of my life because um, even actually just a few days ago, she and I spoke again. And yeah, there are a lot of challenges that come up for me. I I don't want to speak for Jillian, but challenges that come up for me in my identity with work. And for me, those two things are very wrapped together because I work on something that is so personally important to me. And having someone who truly understands that and who truly understands the work that I'm doing and how that relates to my identity uh, really matters. And and I really appreciate Jillian, feel really grateful for her and for the, the skillful compliments, as she noted in this episode, that she is able to provide me because she so deeply understands that piece of who I am and that part of my life. So... Yeah, we get into those things and how important it is to find those people in your life and also how hard that is to do. And I think one thing that so gets lost in these conversations that I'm so grateful that Jillian really emphasizes in this conversation is that it is so hard to to find the things that click when it comes to connection. And you have to put yourself out there a thousand times before you find something that really, really feels good. And um, that's definitely been my experience of just... Wow, going to 10,000 meetups and 10,000 networking things and 10,000 different community events and find and yeah, it really takes a long time to find the things that really suit you and feel good to you and what you're looking for connection-wise. So, we get into a lot of those things. One thing I'm going to say and this comes with a lot of just annoyance on my part is that uh if if you remember, if you listened to the very first episode um, the one that was like pre all the conversations, I said that, you know, I'm new to podcasting and that I'm going to screw up and not everything's going to be perfect. And especially when it comes to sound engineering, not everything's going to be perfect. And this is one of those episodes where that is really evident. And I am so freaking annoyed. I, oh my God, when I listened, something was going on with my microphone, you guys. Okay. I don't know what the F happened, but it just wasn't uh, doing what microphones are supposed to do. And the sound, my sound, Jillian's sound sounds fine, but my sound is is not excellent. And when I listened back to this episode after we recorded, I was like, fuck, dude. And um, yeah, that's just how it is. And this is, you know, in the spirit of authenticity, this is what happens when you're new to podcasting and when you are a one woman show and you don't have people to hire to do this for you, to do the editing. So anyways, 
that's just a heads up. It's not the best sound you've ever heard. But anyways, I'm blabbering and um, yeah, enjoy this episode with Jillian. It's full of a lot of gems. And once again, if it feels good to you to leave ratings and reviews and subscriptions on iTunes, then I really appreciate that. And that helps me. It helps the podcast and uh, helps other people to have better conversations in their lives. So enjoy the episode. We live in a world that is starved for more authentic connection. Better conversations are our first step in getting there. Welcome to Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm your host, Kyla Sokol Ward, and I'm here to engage you in truth-telling discussions about the super deep, always beautiful, sometimes ugly, and wholly honest parts of being a human. Real connection and empathic communication can feel easy and should be a part of our everyday lives. Most of our conversations suck. These ones don't. Jillian, thank you so much for being here today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm so excited that we get to connect today and um, tell me what's been, what's been the best part of your day so far? Ooh. Okay. <laughs> well, as I think I just said this to you, I was having a, one of those kind of like, oh, I overslept and so now I'm jumping into meetings and I haven't had a moment to like meditate or journal or anything. And I came out of my bedroom and me and my roommates just were kind of like making up songs together in the living room. Uh, which was a nice little fun song and dance reprieve before jumping <laughs> back into the work zone. Amazing. But, you know, when I think about those things are, of course, always fun in the moment. And then when I'm able to zoom out even further and see like, wow, 15 year old me would think that I'm just like living such a fun, cool life. And totally. It's, yeah, it's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most of the things I'm doing in my life right now, 15 year old me would be like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, yes, exactly. That's what 15 year old my, you know, what? that's what most people in my life say about my life currently. Also, like, I don't really know what you do. But I think it's pretty cool. Like, thank you so much. That, that'll do. <laughs> like, I am mysterious vanishes in puff of smoke. <laughs> exactly. Um, beautiful. Well, Jillian, what are you working on these days? What's feeling present for you? What are the projects going on in your life? Tell us about what's happening in Jillian's world these days. Yes. I'll tell you like the concrete things first and then the exciting in progress thing last. Mm. Um, so one, I run a newsletter in New York City called The Joy List, and it is a vulnerable story from my week every week and then two events for every day that have a facilitated moment of connection. So that could be like, instead of a movie screening, a movie followed by an interactive conversation or a women's circle or mm. a yoga class where you ask each other vulnerable questions. Lots of good stuff like that. Uh, so that's the first thing. I also am the author of a book called Unlonely Planet, How Healthy Congregations Can Change the World. And I talk about how to create belonging outside of organized religion. I go to companies and talk to them about how they can create more belonging within their corporation and how they can help kind of reduce their advertising spend and create more spaces for connection instead and why that works. And then the last thing is this is the fun thing that's in progress and unfolding uh, is I'm working with my partner or my business partner, Tony Bacigalupo on a campaign to make a million people less lonely in 2020. Oh, hell yeah. Can you <laughs> tell me more about that? Yes. So it's a really interesting example of just 
continuing to say yes to people, even when I feel like I'm not totally qualified or like I shouldn't be in the room because I'm not experienced enough or whatever. Um, so there's this organization called the Black Sheep Foundation, and they partner artists with organizations that want to create social change. And this guy named Kurt, who's the head of it in New York City, reached out and he was like, hey, I was asking around about young community builders in New York City who I should know. And like five people recommended you. I would love to meet with you uh, and see if you'd be a good fit for this organization. And I was like, okay. So we like, I went to a poetry lunch that he hosts where he brings together artists to read their poems, uh, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. And he was like, yeah, you're a good fit for this organization. So then I was visiting California and he hooked me up to get breakfast with the founder who is a, his name is Peter Sims and he runs this organization called Giving Tuesday, uh, which they raise like a billion dollars for charity every year. It's absolutely bonkers. And he's like one of the most well-connected men on the planet, or that might be an exaggeration, but he's very well-connected and he seemed to like me as well. And then they invited me to this fancy dinner party in New York City where people were pitching ideas for this organization for 2020. Uh, They call them moonshot goals of just huge things that people could accomplish. And I pitched the idea of making a million people less lonely because they mentioned wanting to focus around mental health. Mm -hmm. And from that point, they were pretty much like, cool, if you can create a business plan, if you can create a good pitch deck, if you can pitch well, we'll start connecting you to the influential people in our network. And that's what's been happening is like, we've been talking to people in these huge organizations who I realized right in this moment, I probably shouldn't say what the organizations are yet. (laughs) Um, But just like meeting with people who are far beyond my current social circle and having this feeling that I know a lot of people are familiar with of who the hell am I to be talking to these people? Like they're Mm -hmm. so busy Like I'm in my twenties. I don't feel like I belong in this room and just dealing with that and knowing that being a person, but especially a woman who wants to create a business that's really from the heart and genuinely has the mission of helping people and helping underserved people. It's been amazing to see how people respond to that authenticity because it's rare And that literally everyone we have talked to wants to help. Like no one has said, oh, we think this idea is stupid and just done nothing. At the very least, everyone has been connecting us to at least one other person. Oh, amazing. That's a really beautiful reminder that when we're having those moments of imposter syndrome, which like maybe I heard you talk about this briefly on Madeline Moon's podcast. I can't remember if this is something you mentioned or if I'm making it up, but that like when you are in a spotlight of any kind, people, it's really easy for people to assume that like you never get imposter syndrome or that you oh, like totally. reach a certain level of like infamy that like you no longer feel self-conscious, self-doubt at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's such a beautiful reminder that like, first of all, yes, you continue feeling those things. Second, even when you do, there's still so many people that see what you're doing and they're like, I want to help you because you're doing something good. And we all just want to help each other. We want to connect each other to good people doing good shit in the world. And um, I think it's so easy to get lost in that when we're so stuck in our own shit, in our own head of like, who am I to be doing and saying these things? Yeah. And it's so true. That point that you mentioned about people just wanting to help each other and Mm -hmm. 
I feel so lucky to be in a world where that's, it's so obvious to me that of course people want to help people because the people in my community are really giving people who are stoked to help anyone. Mm-hmm. But I've met a lot of people just like sitting in a lift, talking to the lift driver, for example, this one woman I was talking to and she was like, yeah, well, it's really easy for you to have a positive mindset uh-huh. around the world because the people you're around are super positive, but like my world isn't like that. And so it's important for me to take a step back and realize that one, this is such a privilege to be surrounded by these people who are just lifting me up and remembering that a lot of people have no idea that this version of reality even exists. Oh, hell yeah. I'm curious when you are talking to people about community building and when you're saying, oh, the people in my community, I think that most people wouldn't talk about their friend circle using that terminology. And I, one thing that I always ask people whenever I meet someone new, I'll ask them like, what's your community? Where do you find community? Who's in your community? Mm-hmm. And people are always like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? They're like, I don't know. Like I have, I have my work friends. Like I go to yoga sometimes. And this word community is so lost on a lot of people. And do you have that experience with others? Like what is, what is that word community? What has that brought into your life? How do you see that that's changed the way you interact with other people? I'm asking compounding questions right now, but <laughs> whatever piece of that you want to take out of like the way that community has changed the way that you interact with others and the way that maybe they interact with you also. Yeah. Thank you. It's so interesting because again, like just like you, I forget that this can be a unique experience of, I have so many different groups of people that I love and that support me. Like I'm in a group called personal development nerds and we get together once a month Mm -hmm. and we talk about how we want to grow. I do a weekly poetry lunch. I see my therapist every week. I'm in a women's circle every other week. I'm with a group of friends and we call ourselves the pleasure coven and we get together twice a month and we just do things that make us feel good. And I have that consistency in my life. Uh, Oh, another friend of mine and I, we do artist dates together a few times a month and we just go somewhere and we just make art for fun. Oh, delicious. It's the best. And (laughs) actually going on app dates like Bumble or Tinder or something like that has given me a huge perspective check because it's often a man who's completely removed from the world that I'm in. Like he's not in the conscious dance, tantra, authentic, (laughs) relating, self-employed person world. Uh. Um, And so I'll ask exactly that question of, yeah, where do you feel like you belong? And exactly what you said before of, well, I've got my work people and I've got my friends from college or my friends from growing up and maybe a sport. And that's really it. There's a sadness I always feel when I have those conversations because it feels like I'm looking from the outside and there's there's a little bit of a judgment, if I'm being honest, of this person does not even know what they're missing. Yeah. And like a side story to support that is I I hosted an event last week that was an intergenerational conversation. Uh, So people in their 20s through their 80s getting together just to learn more about each other. And I did a listening exercise where I would just get someone to share what was top of mind for them, what felt important in their life in that moment, and just share for two minutes. And the uh, their partner, after the two minutes, 
would repeat back to that person what they heard. And this woman came up to me afterwards and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, Jillian, I didn't even think I was lonely coming into this event. And then I had that experience of someone listening to me so deeply. And I realized that I have no one like that in my life right now. And so how many people are walking around and they just are like, yeah, this is good. Like, this is, this is what I want. When really Mm -hmm. their conversations could be so much deeper. They could be so much more supported. They could be supporting other people more. They could be listening to other people more. Our standards are just, (laughs) it's, it's sad, but it's like our standards are so low. I imagine you must have this experience as well with people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, yeah, I'm involved in like a lot of maybe similar flavored things that you are in terms of community building and women's circles and all kinds of delicious personal development, hippy dippy, yum, fun things. And I use a lot of food words to describe the (laughs) things I'm involved with. And, um, yeah. And I think when a lot of people hear about those things, what reminds me that the way that I'm involved socially is a little bit unconventional. It's just people's surprise. They're like, Oh my gosh, that sounds so crazy. Like you do this. I'm in this Jewish women's new moon circle. And I do that once a month. And it's like this hyper niche um, thing I'm involved with. And whenever I tell people, Oh yeah, I'm going to my Jewish women's new moon circle tonight. They're like, what? Like, that's so insane. And to me, I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, there are communities for every weird or not so weird thing that we want and you just go find the community and then you get involved with it and yeah when I hear other people's reactions then definitely it reminds me of how how much people are missing out on beautiful connections and relationships and opportunities to be involved in things that make them excited and I think one of the main reasons for that is that first of all we all put on this I don't want to call it a mask because I don't want to talk about anyone else's experience, but I'm going to call it a mask right now. Of like, <laughs> like, mask uh, busyness. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And like, yes, that's fine. We all have things going on and we can learn to prioritize connection or not. And that's okay. But you just need to know that that's like connection and community is not a priority for you and that that's going to affect your life in the same way that like, if you didn't prioritize your career, then like, that wouldn't be a priority and that might affect your life in other ways too. But yeah, when I, when I hear about other people's, like the ways that they're involved or not involved socially um, and in community and the way that they react to other people being in community or that even if their reaction is like, that sounds like a cult. That's a big one. I get a lot. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like a cult. I'm like, actually just people getting together around something that they're passionate about. And it's not, it's not always like so dark and evil. Yeah. That um, makes me pissed when I, I hear yeah. people say that too, of like, also, the use the use of the word cult really jokingly, like, mm. oh, yeah, like, yeah, we're exactly. We're people who care about a thing and we get together and we actually have joyful expression. Uh, that's so unusual. We're going to call it a cult. It's like, so then what's not a cult? Like people mm-hmm. sitting together in a room watching a football game. Like that's the one thing that's not a cult now. I get I get real fired up about it because I have a relative who is actually in a cult and so mm. when I hear someone who's like, oh, la, 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 like these women going into the woods together to like dance and sing for a weekend, <laughs> what a cult. It's like, no, like if a woman left that weekend, she wouldn't be like physically threatened by the other women. She wouldn't be like <laughs> right. financially extorted. It's just, I feel like it's a use of the word to 
prevent people from feeling open to new things. Yes. It sounds like maybe a little extreme, but I get, I'm really, really hyper aware of when people use that word. I mean, it drives me crazy. And actually, it also reminds me of the way that in the, in the work that I do as community builder, and I'm so curious if you have this experience too in, in the events that you put on in New York, um, one of the main frustrations that I've experienced is that people will show up to an event and they will come up to me at the end and say, this is so amazing. I had such a great time. It's the best thing I've done in months, uh, blah, blah, blah. So happy I found this. And then I never see them again. Mm-hmm. And one of that used to like piss me off so much. And I'd be like, what is wrong with people? Like, why is a community a prioritization? Uh, or like, why is it a priority? I've realized more so through like taking more ownership as my role as a community builder that they're either not connected. They're not leaving that space feeling more connected to themselves, other people, the physical space they were in higher purpose or to the content that we were um, talking about during that event. So it's like these five different avenues of connection and they didn't leave feeling connected enough to one of those two things to want to return to it. And also that like, yeah, community might not be a priority. Yeah. This whole thing of like people not being open to these connective experiences. Like, do you find that in your, when you're doing events in New York and that people think it's really great, but they're like, nah, but I don't really need any more of this in my life. Like Mm. this is cool, but I'm good. Well, first I'm really curious, what kind of events are you talking about? Like the ones where people will show up and then not show up again. Oh my goodness. Well, the type of community building work that I have done so far in San Francisco has been with, uh, or like through the help of an organization called Moisha House, which um, is specifically for Jewish millennial community building. And so our events, yeah, it's super dope. And our events can be focused around Judaism. They often are not. (laughs) Are you the ones that do the cruise? The cruise? No. Who's doing a cruise? I think my, so my roommate, he's a videographer and he went on like a, a cruise for young Jewish people to film it. Um, maybe, it, I guess it wasn't Moshe House, but it was some organization for young Jewish people. Wait, that, well, whatever it is, I would like to find out because I want to go on a Jewish <laughs> cruise. I want to go on a Jew cruise. But yeah, the, our events, like every house as they are called every house has the opportunity to build community in whatever way feels good to them so at our house we do a lot of music events and a lot of spirituality and yoga and meditation and like that's what feels fun for us and sometimes they are jewish focused most of the time again they are not um but some you know whatever some houses really find lots and lots of joy through the jewish stuff and they want to do all their events that way so yeah again like it's interesting to me when people come to an event and it could be like a dinner party and they're like, this was so amazing. And then they never come back. Yeah. Do people, do you have that experience with folks in New York? And maybe, maybe it's not even your events that like people might go to any kind of community building space and then they just never really want to find themselves there again. Maybe people that you're connected with personally. Well, so with the event that I personally host the most, uh, it's called the Joylist Social and the, the tag for it is come alone, leave with a new friend. And we were debating like my, my team and I about, if we wanted to have it be a space where people really want to come back every time. And what we decided was like, yes, of course, it's always great if people want to come back. But really the person that we're targeting is someone who is new to New York City or really is craving community and just needs a space to go to be as connected to as many people as possible to find out about as many awesome events coming up as possible 
and then make plans with the people there to go to something else so they don't need to come back to this event. Amazing. So that one, we do have some repeat people. If I'm being honest, it's probably more so people can like have a space to catch up with me, but also that it's just, it's kind of a good community gathering point for my friends. And then other than that, I think the things where I found the most repeated people is where there's a common shared interest. So like there is a sober dance party in New York City called the Get Down. And there's a core group of maybe like 40 people who pretty much show up to every single one. And like we love each other and we're always there and we help promote it. Or like Medi Club, which is a monthly meditation event. If there's not something really specific in the event description of like, this is a thing that we hope you come to multiple times. I just assume it's a thing that people kind of do one off, like as a way to meet new people. I'm curious about your, whenever I meet people who are in community building slash connection spaces, I'm really curious about your personal relationships and what those look like, how those have changed since you've gotten more intentionally involved in this work. Um, Yeah. If you can talk to us about your relationships, because that's always just top of mind for me. Relationships. Yeah. Well, so when I moved to New York City, um, I was living with two women who like were lovely and we just, I don't think I was good at deepening a relationship with them and it wasn't a huge priority, I think, for either of them. So for really the first year that I lived in New York City, I was doing a lot of improv and sketch comedy Uh, which is super fun. And the friendships that come from that tend to often be kind of surface because it's very jokey. It's very Mm. activity based. Uh, So I was performing with people a lot and didn't really know anything about who they were as people or about their emotional lives. It was, I would say like a year into my New York experience where I started to finally tap into communities where I felt, I, I was about to say where I felt like I belonged But I think actually I didn't feel like I belonged, but I aspired to feel like I belonged Uh, Mm -hmm. where it was the kinds of people in a room where I was like, wow, like these people are smart and beautiful and they meditate and they do awesome shit. And just like these people seem cooler than me, but I want to be on their level and I want to be their friend. Mm -hmm. So I was also going to this weekly meditation and conversation event called Balanced which is where I met my now roommate, Dennis, and we decided that we wanted to move in together and that we wanted to have a few other roommates and just have an awesome household. And so now I live with my roommate, Dennis, my roommate, Chase, my roommate, Shri, and I love them. We have so much fun together. We all work for ourselves, so we're like always hanging out at home. I have my partner, Ari, who is amazing. He's just like Mm. a great, authentic, relating, Tantra videographer, emotionally aware human. Amazing. Um, So good. I'm starting to have a better relationship with my parents uh, because long saga, but I convinced them to do five days of family therapy with me. So that totally has radically shifted our relationship to each other. It's interesting. I actually have way more close male friendships right now than I do female friendships, which I'm working on Mm -hmm. tweaking. Um, but also not judging myself too harshly and not labeling myself as wrong and just being like, this is how it is right now. Um, Mm -hmm. but like really close friends, Duncan and David. And then I've got just like a smattering of other humans where 
Like we're constantly just checking in on each other, loving on each other to like reframe like a good core of people. Uh, And then a thing that I struggle with in terms of relationship is that I know so, so many amazing people and I want to be in connection with all of them. And that's just not Mm -hmm. possible. And I've definitely been guilty of hurting the closer people in my life because I did not choose them. I chose the like meeting with the shiny new person or Mm -hmm. hosting a gathering with a ton of people who I don't really get to go deep with because there's so many people there. So that's the thing I'm really trying to keep my eye on is how much am I just pursuing the shiny new people just because that's easier than going deep one-on-one with someone. And what is that when you were saying like, you know, the people that you're really choosing to be intentionally going deep with and really being in connection with, what does that look like to you? Because I think when a lot of people hear that, they're like, what does it mean to be in connection? How do I be connected with people? And like, I do want to be friends with everybody. Like, what does that mean for you? Yeah. So I think one is naming it and scheduling it with people. Uh, So like my friend Annie, she lives in Boston and I love her. We don't live in the same city. So every Monday at 5 p.m. we have an hour FaceTime where we just like catch up and talk. Like we text throughout the week as well, but it's just to make sure that we can still just have a space to chat. And then also being vulnerable enough to say to a friend like, hey, I noticed we haven't connected in a while and I would like I miss you and I would love to see you. Mm -hmm. Um, And to give a kind of snapshot of like what an evening for me can look like when things are going really great is like. My friend Duncan, uh, who I love, he he's someone we're we're kind of joking, but not joking, of doing a chosen brother, chosen sister, like blood brother style ceremony. <laughs> he's just like, we've only known each other for two years, but we have gone super deep with each other. Um, mm. Like, I just went over, we ate dinner. He has like a big uh like mattress thing he puts on his floor and we just like cuddled with his roommates and just talked for hours about what was going on in our lives and just like random stuff and we listened to music and we watched dumb videos on youtube and then we like got up and went for a long walk through prospect park and came back and just like it's such a beautiful rare thing to have people who i can be really silly and playful with and like burst into random dances and sing and whatever and also talk about like death and my relationship to my family Mm -hmm. and intergenerational trauma and all of these things. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, I had no idea that kind of relationship was even a thing. Mm, That's so powerful. It's so beautiful. And I think that like so many people feel so hesitant to bring up some of this like quote unquote real shit with people, with their friends, which is really just astounding to me. But that also, yeah, like you, I didn't know that I could have these kinds of relationships with people where like we were very platonically touchy together or that we were talking about death and talking about sex and talking about all these things that are like sometimes considered really taboo. And I think that the more we're opening up those types of spaces of connection for people to say like, these aren't crazy taboo topics. They're things that we're all thinking about. They're things that matter to all of us that like, authenticity and connection and loneliness and touch all these things like really matter to us as human beings and again just a matter of whether or not some people are prioritizing it but yeah to allow people to uh, experiment in those types of spaces of connection with one another it's so important and then to 
be able to create those real kinds of relationships in their lives. It's so beautiful that you've found so many of those in your personal life. Thank you. And I think also for thinking about the people who might be like, oh, well, trying to incorporate platonic touch with my friends is going to be super weird or like trying to (laughs) dive into a deep topic is going to be really hard. Um, I think that is where the kind of events that I like to promote are super helpful Um, Mm. because I have a fear sometimes that since I'm constantly promoting events, people see it as, oh, Jillian only goes to events and she still feels super connected. So I don't need to have like Mm. one-on-one hangs with my friends because clearly like events are where it's at. When Mm. I really see events as an amazing training ground to take those skills into your relationships offline. So if you go to a facilitated cuddle party, amazing. Now you know what that can feel like, what that looks like, how you can ask someone for touch. You're more practiced with saying no. And you know it feels good because you had a facilitator there to help you. But Mm. I'm not saying necessarily maybe this feels good for you, but to go to a cuddle party every week and then to never have relationships like that outside of this facilitated space that you're paying for. Oh, wow. That is so well said that events are such a good training grounds for those skills and those practices. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one way that I really think of authentic relating and like the authentic relating circles and games and all of that. And for anyone who's listening to this, who doesn't know what that is, then authentic relating is a really amazing, um, I was about to call it a way of life, which like it is, but that, um, <laughs> it is an essence. <laughs> Yes, is in essence a way of life. But Authentic Revolution is an organization that started in Austin um, by a fabulous woman named Sarah Ness, who I actually just met like three weeks ago. And I literally had to like practice keeping my cool around her. Um, (laughs) I love everything you do. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, I was like pretending like I didn't know who she was. And I was like, oh, I know who you are, woman. Um, Yeah, so Authentic Revolution, amazing organization. And they create a lot of spaces for connection and have this whole manual on authentic relating games. Um, that teach people how to connect more meaningfully in their everyday interactions. And again, yeah, I love what you're saying that they are used, they're meant to be used as like a training ground for cool. We can authentically relate together. And also this is not meant to stay in this room. This is meant to be brought into our everyday lives. I think that actually is one of the most powerful things about those practices, because when I think about things like Burning Man, for instance, I've never been to Burning Man. So maybe I should shut my mouth because I don't know what it's actually like. But one thing that I've heard from so many people who go is they're like, oh, I just wish the real world were like Burning Man. Mm. And it drives me crazy. You're like, shut your face. Like, the real world can be like Burning Man. That's yes! the point. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, you guys, that is the real world. Like, do you recognize we're living in a world where 80,000 people can can gather in the freaking desert and live whatever and create whatever kind of world they want like that's the real world like that is amazing and the fact that like 80,000 people agree to those standards every single time they show up in Black Rock City and that doesn't have to disappear at the end of those seven days just what a what a tragedy to lose that Mm. it's funny I have a similarly um that curmudgeonly is so not the right word but like (laughs) a little critical view on Burning Man of also I have not been to Burning Man and I do really want to go. I've had so many people be like, Jillian, this is literally everything you care about in one place. Mm. And when I hear people, when my friends come back, I always love asking them, like, what did you learn? Like, what are the lessons Mm -hmm. that you're going to take from Burning Man? 
into your life. And this is totally going to make me sound full of myself. So apologies. But a lot of the things that they say, I'm like, yeah, I already know that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like these are things that I feel like I haven't practiced in my life already. I think for me, the biggest lesson I would probably take from Burning Man is how to be uncomfortable and how to be more self-sufficient. That that sounds like the edgiest thing to me in Burning Man is the like, I have to be completely in charge of my health, my hydration, my food, mm-hmm. in charge of all my shit. Like, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be hot. I'm going to be uncomfortable. And I'm going to be in that state for like two weeks. I, it sounds like a special kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into some loneliness talk. I'm curious, like what... Uh, drew you to that topic originally and what loneliness feels like for you these days after having dove into this work for such an extended period of time. Yeah, thank you. The the type of loneliness I feel definitely has evolved to a new form, but the <laughs> the reason I originally, originally was interested in loneliness was back when I didn't have a word for it, but I grew up in a way that I think a lot of people do, which was with parents who I really love and who I care for and respect. And they were not taught the emotional tools to really be there for me when I was struggling Mm. or just having a big emotion or needing to talk about something a little bit difficult. And so I spent a lot of my childhood keeping feelings bottled up, feeling confused why people wouldn't talk to me when I wanted to talk. Um, spending a lot of time just alone in my house. There was this yearning in me for a deeper connection, but I had never seen that deeper connection before. So I just thought there was something wrong with me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know what I didn't know, but I think if I could give it words now, it would be, I just want people to understand my feelings. I want to have a space where I can talk about how I feel and not be told that I'm wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wanted more closeness and warmth and caring in my life. That hunger was really in me all the way through college until I moved to New York City. I was one of those people who I I was excited to leave college and start my life as an adult. Um, Oh my God, same. And it's so fun. I hear this. I would love to take a poll of community, like professional community builders and be like, what was your childhood (laughs) like? Like, I feel like we all share a lot of the same pains, um, which is awesome because we've taken our pain and turned it into a gift for other people. So that when I moved to New York City, it just like, really, I had nowhere to hide. I I just got to this kind of critical point of like, okay, am I going to keep living in this dirty apartment in the East Village with these people who I'm not talking to? I don't have a job. I don't know anyone. I keep just going to bars and to comedy shows and this sucks and there's got to be something better and I'm officially an adult. Mm -hmm. So it's my time to just find something else. And I don't know what it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I just kept going to things by myself. Like I was, I won't say I was braver now than I am, or I was braver then than I am now. um, But I definitely was putting myself out of my comfort zone in really big ways where like I would go to music festivals alone. I would go to summer camps alone, uh, Mm. festivals, like all these things and just be like, all right, I'm going to put myself in this situation and we're going to see if I like it. And I'm going to see if I like the people. And a lot of those things, I did not like them, which is a thing that I really try and emphasize when I talk about loneliness, because I think that there's this cultural mentality of, I should know how to make friends. This should be easy. 
Mm-hmm. I should go to something and just like it. And so if somebody attends an event and they don't like it, they're like, well, this is the reason why I stay home. Like everything sucks. Yep. And instead to be like, okay, it's just like with dating, like this one didn't work. Awesome. Now I have more data about what I like and what I don't like On to the next yeah. uncomfortable situation. And so did that until now I finally do feel really connected, really in line with my purpose, lots of people in my life who I love. And now the type of loneliness that I'm in, which I am grateful for because it keeps me connected to the work that I'm doing is kind of like this lonely leader syndrome. Mm. Again, I feel, I feel self-conscious saying things like this, but I'm in a place where I'm getting a lot of feedback from people, which I posted about this on Instagram recently of people saying like, you're so special. Like you're a special person. And Mm. I hate that compliment so deeply and I could not understand why I was like why do I hate it when people call me special um (laughs) and I think it's it's a authentic relating thing which is people are putting a label on me they're saying yeah this is who you are it's like you're the pretty one you're the smart one you're the special one uh and like you you can't be not special like you don't have permission to be normal you don't even have permission to be shitty you are the special person uh, mm. and also I get really frustrated when I hear people call me or other people special is I think it's taking responsibility off of that, like the complimenters shoulders of like, Oh, you're a special person who's changing the world. Good for you. I don't have to do that because I'm not special. Only a few people are special. So you go do that and you uh, go be special. I'll be normal. Oh God, yes. <laughs> Which is like a very sassy thing to say. And I hope I don't sound like an asshole. Um, But yeah. I'm feeling you right now. I'm like, I'm so curious if I got a bunch of like people who lead communities to be like, hey, what, what is your response to that? And I had a friend who he gave me such good advice where he said, okay, Jillian, the next time someone comes up to you at an event and they're like, wow, everything that you do is so special to turn it around on them very kindly and say, thank you so much. Like, it sounds like you're really excited about this event or it sounds like you're really excited about making the world a less lonely place and to just mm-hmm. get their feedback. And I totally do this too with people. I'm so guilty of this as well, uh, is to confuse my excitement around the topic and the movement with the person. Do you relate to this? I imagine you do. Oh yeah. That's first of all, that's brilliant. That kind of mix around there. Um, and Yes, 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 yes. I relate so hard. It's reminding me, do you know who Mari Andrew is? Yes. She lives in New York City and my friends yeah. somehow see her all the time. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm like freaking obsessed with her, with her writing, with her artwork. And she um, she made this post recently, this like piece of art that said it was like different types of loneliness. I think maybe it was, I might be mixing up two pieces of art, but it was like different types of loneliness. And one of them was when someone tells you that you're so strong and then you feel lonely because you're like, fuck, I have something I need to be strong for. And like, I don't want to have to be strong for this thing. And it kind of reminds me of what you're saying about being special. It's like, oh, you're just so special, Jillian. And like, I'm not special. So you can do everything. And it's like, you know what, Kyla, you're so strong and I don't have to be strong for things. So you're going to be strong for all of us. And it's like, no, (laughs) no, Yep. Do not make me be strong for everybody. Mm-hmm. And and it's also, it really, it feels so, um, ah, it feels so disconnecting because it makes, when I receive feedback like that, it makes me feel like, 
oh, here's me. As you said, like the lonely leader thing. Isn't there some book that's called like It's Lonely at the Top? I'm sure. Okay. Well, there's something great called that. And um, yeah. And that like when we're told that like we have this unique quality that nobody else possesses, it makes the person you're complimenting feel more isolated. And also, yeah, as you're saying, it's like the person who's doing the complimenting, it removes them of any responsibility of needing to also be involved in being strong or be involved in being special and bringing special things to the world. Um, Yeah, it drives me nuts. And it's hard because, of course, this person means well. And yeah, finding a way to bring them in, as you were saying, to to that specialness and to that strength and allowing them to be a part of that and show them that like, you can do this too. This is not some crazy thing that only I possess. Like we can all do this. Mm -hmm. We can all have Burning Man, not just the people at Burning Man. Yep. Totally. And for myself, I want to take onus of kind of like my responsibility in this where I, I say like, oh man, it's so annoying that people are saying this to me, even though they mean well, Um, and I'm not doing a great job of giving people the tools to step into their own Mm. leadership, um, which is a big thing that I want to focus on for this upcoming year with this new campaign is giving people the tools to create any kind of gathering that they want. So to say like, cool, you want to host a women's circle. You want to host a dinner party. You want to bring five rhythms to your town. You want to bring the November project to your town. Here's exactly Mm. how you do it because it's um I went to a a conference for pastors recently and even though I'm not a pastor but pastors know a lot about growing community and the yeah. biggest lesson from it is just that your job as a leader is to empower other leaders like that's what a true mm-hmm. leader does and I felt really I felt a little bit of shame and a little bit of embarrassment being there because I realized how much I had fallen into this trap of kind of like the star or Like I'm literally in the community space and a lot of my content is about me and it's not about giving people the tools. It's just about me. And some like sometimes that's great and it gives people inspiration and it's a message that applies to everyone. And I have to look at the shadow side of that and say like, yeah, also I totally want to be a star. Oh gosh. Yeah. This feels real for me. (laughs) I'm resonating. I'm resonating pretty hard over here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing because in the work that that you do and, and why I'm resting with this as well is like there is an element of like personal branding that goes into this, which also is a hilarious and weird term. Like what the hell is a personal brand? It's 2019. Where are we? Yep. This is like a very new thing that we just invented. Um, but there's like this personal brand and people maybe show up to your events and they're like, oh, I know, like and trust Jillian because of these things I read on her social media. Um, and because of this person that she portrays herself as really authentically and, and I know her and I like her because of that, even though we've never met. Um, so there's that piece. And then I don't know. Yeah. It's hard when like, we do want to share ourselves. And I think this goes into like the loneliness of leadership as well. It's like, I do want someone to recognize and appreciate me and I want to help the world at the same time. And it's, it is a hard balance. Like, yeah. Like how, how do you balance like the ego with, with the giving essentially? It's interesting because it's easy for me to suppress the desire to be acknowledged Um, because like I'm a person where I send out a newsletter to thousands of people every week and it's a thing that I do for free and I do it because I want to help people. And there are weeks where I don't get a single response back. It's like no one being like, hey, thank you so much for making this thing. And so it kind of feels like I'm sending, like I've spent hours on this thing 
and hours thinking about it and hours talking about it and I get no feedback um, Mm -hmm. and it can feel like, man, why am I doing this? But I don't let myself feel that. And so then like I had a moment last week where I got an email from an event organizer whose event I had promoted a ton of times and I'd never heard from her. And then she emailed me and was like, hey, just so you know, like the the time that you put in this newsletter was wrong. Like, this is actually the correct time. Like a totally neutral email, like no blame, just like a fact, like the time is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I lost my shit. Like I started crying and was surprised at my own intense reaction of like, what is going on mm-hmm. in me? It was that feeling underappreciated that was showing up also paired with the fact that right now I'm kind of in this financial limbo where I'm using my savings and I'm putting all my trust into this crazy thing that I'm doing next year. And I have no idea how I'm making money and I'm doing a new thing, which is not even trying to do anything and just seeing what happens. Um, I feel that too. It's like, all right, here we go. Then there's like this voice in my head that keeps being like, get a side job. What are you doing? Which I could easily do. And I'm just actively not. Um, Mm -hmm. But the, there is a part of me that's very hungry for skillful compliments. Not, not the like Jillian, Mm -hmm. you're special, but the, like, so I, I had a meeting with a mentor last week and he's a person who he leads huge, like thousands people, big events. And he's someone who I really admire. And he just looked at me and he's like, Jillian, I know that you feel lonely right now in your leadership. And I know that you're freaked out because you have no one to look up to because no one's doing what you're doing. And I, this is painful. And like your voice matters. You are such a skilled writer. You give so many people the courage that that they need to do new things. You are trying to solve the biggest problem in our generation right now. Mm-hmm. And you matter. The work that you're doing is going to be rewarded in a huge way. And you just need to trust and you need to have as much fun as you can. Mm. <laughs> and he said this to me and we were in a coffee shop and like his meeting was, his next meeting was about to be there in like two minutes. And again, I just burst into tears. Yeah. So I was like, I needed to hear that so badly. Gosh. Yeah. So important having those people in your circle that are going to give you praise in the way that it really matters. And I mean, hell yeah. As I'm hearing you tell that story and hearing you say what this person said to you, I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah, it's going to be rewarded in huge ways. Like there's, there's just no way that it can't be like, there's, there's just too many people who need this. Oh, oh, it's so good. (laughs) I also, I want to be mindful of our time. And I'm feeling like sad scarcity grieving happening right now. I'm just like, can we talk for four hours? Let's do a a four part series. Let's go. It's like, will people listen to a four hour podcast? I've done a five hour podcast before. What? Oh my gosh. I want to listen to it. Will you send me that link? Yeah, it was insane. It's this woman who named Lila who has a podcast called Horizontal with Lila, where you lie down in a bed with her. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. I don't even care what you were talking about. I just love that context. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. Well, what two more things before we end this? I first of all want you to tell the people where we can find more information about you. And then I want to ask you some like lightning round questions that I'm asking to all my guests. So please let us know where we can find more information about the amazing things you're doing and bringing into the world. All right. 
So if you want to know about me as a human being, my website is thatjillian.com. If you want to know about the joy list and bringing it to your city and the campaign to make a million people less lonely, go to joylist.nyc. And our social media handles, me personally, I am at that Jillian on all the things. And the joy list is <laughs> at joylistnyc. Amazing. And we'll include all those links in the show notes. Um, great. So some final questions for you before we close this. Okay. Number one, what is something that most people that you think most people assume about you? Ooh, they assume that I have not dove, I guess is the right verb. Uh, I have not looked at the shadow side of myself, that I'm a person who loves love and light and I'm not into the dark shadowy things. What is something you'd like to be acknowledged more for in your life? I would like to be acknowledged more for being brave. Beautiful. I feel that. Who in your life considers you a role model and why? I think a lot of people in my life who are starting new gatherings or people who they're in the early phases of creating a community look up to me because I've been doing this thing every week for over three years and there really hasn't been a lot of financial compensation or anything like that yet. And I just mm -hmm. still keep doing it because it matters. Hell yeah. And last question. I'm very excited to hear your answer on this. What is one of your favorite questions to ask other people to help you to get to know them? Ooh, okay. Recent favorite question is, ooh, I've got so many. I'll say like one is just what's big for you right now. Well, I'd never heard someone mm -hmm. say that before, but it's just like, yeah, like what do you want to talk about? Um, but actually, if I could give a secondary answer, my new favorite thing is giving people options of what to talk about. Of like, hey, mm. I really want to talk about this thing, but we could also talk about this thing or this thing. Like what feels the most fun for you? Which I'm just like, someone did that for me. And I was like, oh my God, you just gave me choices of what to talk about. I love this. Ooh, I love that as well. Like, and also helps you as the question asker to like take ownership over the thing that would help you to feel engaged in the conversation. Like everybody wins. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, delicious. Well, Jillian, thank you so freaking much. I'm so grateful to be connected to you and really just bowing down to you and the work that you do and also lifting you up. And um, so really just like feeling grateful that you're here and you're doing the work that you're doing and really feeling appreciative for you. And um, really excited about all the people in New York who get to be in your presence and a little jealous that I'm 3,000 <laughs> miles away. I'm sure I will be in San Francisco, fingers crossed, many times this year. Yes, amazing. Yeah, I have, my sister lives in New York and I haven't been there in forever. So I think a, a trip is overdue. So who knows? Maybe I'm certain we'll cross paths in the future. Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jillian. All right. Bye, Kyla. All right, everyone. There you have it. That is the episode with Jillian. If you are in New York City, definitely sign up for the Joylist. She brings so much magic into the hands of New Yorkers by selecting all of the amazing facilitated connection events that are happening in the city so if you're looking for connection then definitely check that out once again if it feels good to you to leave a rating review or subscribe on itunes i really love you and appreciate that and uh yeah thanks so much for being here i love you endlessly and i will see you next week with the next episode